Hello, friends. This is Nathan Powell. I co-host a brand new podcast called Dynasty Double Take with Dan Sanyo. We join the DLF family of podcasts with unique Dynasty arguments in a short 10 to 12 minute format. Dan and I love to debate Dynasty, and we hope you enjoy our banter as we discuss topics like trade offers, coaching, draft capital, and much, much more. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome back to another episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Price, this week, joined, as always, by Dan Myler and Ryan McDowell. This week, we're going to talk about running backs. But first, we have a couple of news and notes to get to. First off, Ryan, Josh Gordon reinstated. He's on the NFI list currently, but expected to be ready for week one. Uh, so I guess let's just throw this around uh, to both of you guys, but we'll start with Ryan here. Are you coming along for the ride again, you know, with ups and downs and sells and buys? And, you know, what do you, what do you feel about Gordon right now? And, and are, what are you going to do with him, I guess? Yeah, I'm, I'm not along for the ride this time, I don't, I don't think, because I've, I've already seen just in the past few days since, since we got this news, it, it seems like there's been a price increase uh, on Gordon, both in dynasty and certainly in, in seasonal leagues. So no, I'm not really there. I I looked back at his ADP to kind of get an idea of what we might expect. Um, and, and it's, it's been really a, a, a roller coaster ride. So, um, in December of 2018, he was the wide receiver 30. The next month he was the wide receiver 96. So uh, he, he wasn't that far down in our current ADP, but we can certainly expect a spike, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's back in the top uh, 60 or 70 overall uh, the next time we collect Dynasty ADP. And, and for me, that's just too high. The past two seasons, he's p- played 18 games. He's actually been pretty consistent in his production, uh, but of those 18 games, he's only given us one wide receiver one game. That was that was this past season. He has uh, he has had uh, nine games as either a wide receiver two or a wide receiver three. So I, I kind of feel like that's uh, that's kind of where he settles in now for me as a, a low end wide receiver three. He's going to be probably in that uh, late 30s or early 40s range when I update my dynasty wide receiver ranks yeah and the problem with that ryan is even though we all feel that way because i completely agree with you there's too many dynasty owners out there that are thinking back to his early days with the browns when when he was catching all those touchdowns and making all those those plays down the field um that just simply hasn't been the case for the last few years and and we can't cling on to those those feelings or those memories, I guess. So for me, I'm right with you. I'm, I'm not along for the ride. I haven't been for quite a while, actually. Um, sold my shares the, the first chance I got after the, the uh, second suspension, I guess, and have been glad about it ever since. I, I can't say it enough, really. If you're a Josh Gordon owner, any spike in value coming up, I would sell as soon as you can. I'm going to disagree a, a little bit. Uh, I, I actually watched every single target of Josh Gordon's this morning from last year, and he's definitely not that guy from uh, the 1,600-yard season. He's almost like completely transformed his game. He seems like an outside possession receiver, lots of posts, routes, uh, a couple of nice grabs over the middle of the field, um, but is, is definitely not you know, making money with his speed or his route running at all right now. I think, I think his, his uh, upside is going to come from the, winning those contested catches. He still really knows how to high point the ball and use his size and, and all that stuff. So uh, I, I'm, I'm in. I'm not going to buy. I don't know where he's – well, I, actually, I do know where he's going in trades right now because we're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, but in terms of like if I already have him in my roster, if he's on a waiver wire, I'm happy to spend most of my fab budget on it. In fact, I just did that in, in Red List 2, uh, made a trade to get some more so I could pick him up so if, if I can get wide receiver three production with the upside for you know maybe one of those 1100 yard seasons you know six to eight touchdowns maybe probably at the upper end uh for for that offense then I'm, I'm in a little bit so I'm in a little bit more than you guys 
let's talk about how you think he affects the rest of the passing game, though, Dan. You know, in, in redraft leagues right now, Edelman is a third or fourth round pick, you know, this consistent guy, but maybe not quite the upside at the top end numbers as, as Gordon has. But how do you think him coming back is really going to affect the rest of that passing game? I think that's where the real story is because a lot of dynasty owners out there were picking up the Philip Dorsett's and the Jacoby Myers's out there and, and trying to find that other target in the New England passing game, at least on the outside. And now it seems like that role will be filled. Um, so while I agree that as long as Gordon's going to be on the field, he'll fill that role and fill it well and 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 probably be a wide receiver three, as Ryan said, and and as you alluded to as well, Matt, um, for the for the Patriots and for Dynasty owners, um, I, I think the only thing we can take from it is that the Dorsets and the Myers and, and those kind of guys, we're going to have to wait on those guys until there's an injury or another opportunity because of a mistake from Gordon, which seems inevitable at this point. Um, I, I never root against anybody, but but history teaches us nothing if we're if we're not gonna like learn from from the mistakes of others and and he just keeps on stepping on his own toes. I think somebody else is gonna get a chance at some point, um, whether that's this year or not. I guess I don't know, but um, I, I guess if we if we spent on on those other receivers in New England, we're probably not feeling real good about it. Um, I'm certainly lowering them in my rankings and, and starting to think that maybe they were a bad investment this off season, but there's still a chance, I guess there's still hope. Yeah, this is to me, this is just a really unique situation because I don't think it impacts the value of most of the pieces on that team. First of all, when you look at Julian Edelman, despite the expected uh, production from him as, as the top target in that offense. And I, I still think he is the top target in that offense. We already know his his dynasty value was was already I don't know not in line with his production anyway. So his value can't really go down any more than it than it already is as long as he's going to still be on the field and producing. Um, I, I don't think this this could certainly hurt Nikhil Harry uh, production this year, but it should not hurt his value. Uh, and in fact, if if this if this uh, reinstatement for Josh Gordon pushes down the trade value of Nikhil Harry, then we should all be taking advantage of that and looking at him as as an asset for 2020 and beyond. And then, like Dan man- mentioned, the the guys we might be taking a flyer on, Philip Dorsett, maybe for the short term, uh, Jacoby Myers, those are the guys that probably hurts the most. Uh, but I'm still, but I think they're still cheap enough to to take a chance on and see how this plays out. I think you said it there, Ryan. Um, You know, and because you did, you know, I'm not convinced that all dynasty owners will think it, but it's really unlikely that this creates any kind of buying window window for Harry. If if any window existed, it was probably um, because of some of the news out of New England or something like that. And since that didn't happen, I I don't think anything regarding Josh Gordon will will do anything like that. Well, let's let's wrap this up with uh, a little bit of a trade discussion here. You guys are both out. You said so. So is the line a second? Are you going to take a third for Gordon if you have him? Like any any pick, or or do you have a, a certain pick in mind where do you have a threshold where you wouldn't you would just hold on at that point? Yeah, I think he's, I think he's a sell because I've already seen and heard the hype. I actually got the chance to meet up with a, a bunch of folks in the fantasy industry and fantasy players this past weekend at the Midwest uh, Fantasy Expo, and I mean, obviously, with that news breaking Friday night, that was a big topic. We had some some drafts that took place on Saturday, and. Gordon was drafted in the fifth round. Now those were, those were redraft leagues, but still that, I mean, honestly, that shocked me. Um, I I couldn't believe he went that high. Um, So the hype is already there. There's so many people like Dan said earlier that still have that, that performance, uh, his, his production from earlier in his career in the back of their mind. And, And when they think Josh Gordon, that's what they think. And, and, you know, being on the Patriots and, and just his name carries so much value anyway that 
that's why I think he's a sell is because I do expect his value to spike so much. I don't, I, I would not take a third certainly. And I don't think I would have to, uh, I think you can get more than a second. Uh, yeah, I, I would probably, I would be looking for a second plus. You know, I we've seen trades already where he's gone for a first, and and of course those are twenty twenty first, uh, and anybody still waiting to draft uh, or have their rookie draft in twenty nineteen, certainly nobody's giving up a high first in in that kind of draft, and and nobody's going to give up like the opportunity to draft Harry to to get Gordon. So you know, I it really feels to me like. We we hit this spike because of the news that hit, and everybody has that rush of emotion of everything that Gordon has done in the past, and and the guys that are are owning Gordon and have held on for this long. Most likely, those are the Gordon truthers in your league anyway. So it's it's really rare to find a guy that that wants to move from Gordon right now. If I, if I happen to have him, which I don't anywhere, I would not take a second round pick there there'd be no way for that like ryan i I would take a second plus but i'd be looking for one of those contenders that wants that guy with wide receiver three wide receiver two maybe upside to give me a first in 2020 that'd be that'd be the target range that i'm looking for that would be nice i've i've tried to move him for a first in a few spots and got basically laughed out of the table so it probably just depends on which league you're in you know find find the guy that wants them maybe you can do that and you mentioned it on the trade finder we found uh, a, a couple actually three trades no two trades uh just in the last few days for a first round pick first round pick and cole beasley for gordon first round pick and ted Ginn jr for beasley or sorry for gordon uh you know a second and dd westbrook for gordon uh, Henderson, uh, Daryl Henderson and a 2021 second for Gordon. So here's the, there's the line for us. You know, it, it, they all seem kind of, <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm probably taking the, the first in all of those situations. Uh, but once we get down to like the seconds, you know, maybe I, I, I might, I might think about it, but uh, did you guys have a trade here that stood out to you? You want to talk about on, on this agenda to me there? And you mentioned most of them there. I'm selling Gordon for all of that. All of the ones you you mentioned, DD in the second, uh, getting first rounders, and, and there's I think there's one you didn't mention, but Gordon for Tony Pollard, Terry McLaurin, and a third, I would do that. The one that I think is the closest and that that I would you know ha- have a hard time choosing is that basically James Washington for Josh Gordon. There's a couple throw-ins on each side, but that's the closest one for me, and and that's. I guess that shows that's kind of the range that I would uh, maybe value him right now. Man, I couldn't say it any better. That's exactly what I was going to say. The The Washington Gordon one was a toss-up for me. Kind of depends on how your roster construction is maybe, but I lean towards Washington for sure. The ones you mentioned, though, Beasley in a first for Gordon, I, that's an instant except for me. Uh, some of the others, D.D. Westbrook in a second, um, they're, they're pretty quick quick reaction except as well um but again i'm i'm one of the guys that was all in on gordon immediately but after a couple of suspensions i was out and i haven't seen anything that makes me want to get back in all right we are going to talk about running backs on this show but before we get to that we have one more news and notes and it is about a running back some of them we uh we didn't really chat about last week so let's cover it now fellas duke johnson to the texans he has already hurt a little bit um, but Dan, let's start with you here. What do you think his role in 2019 is? You know, do you think he has a chance to unseat Lamar Miller, uh, or is he just going to be kind of a change of pace guy? And then how about long term? Because Miller's got one year left on the deal, and Duke's got, uh, I think, two two left. So there's a chance that he might be the guy in 2020. Yeah, and there's a chance that he might be the guy in 2019 as well, because that that offense has a history of mixing things up a little, and, and it seems to me that. They only lean on Lamar Miller when that's the only choice. And sometimes that's by their choice. Sometimes they, they've they had injuries. Uh, Deontay Foreman, when he had a good start to his career, got hurt, and then there was nobody left. They, they've, you know, really made dynasty owners scratch their heads as to why they haven't added other relatively high running backs or mid-round running backs to try to compete or unseat Lamar Miller. Um you know, in the past, it's felt like they just love Lamar Miller down there in Houston. And this move makes you second guess that thought, at least a little bit. So 
I, I think you said maybe he's the change of pace guy. I think this could be a 50-50 split. The, these are similar players, uh, relatively speaking, really. I know, I know Duke Johnson is seen by most dynasty owners as a pass catcher and that guy that comes in on third down and, and tries to pick up the first down or, or the guy that uh, runs routes out in the flat, not necessarily between the tackles. But he's shown in the past that that he can mix in as well. And, and you know, I, I really see them as interchangeable, potentially. And that could mean good things for Johnson uh, and bad things for Miller or, or vice versa. But either way, it feels like Duke, Duke Johnson took a substantial leap in dynasty value to me. He's a guy I want on my team for sure, uh, both short-term and long-term. Yeah, I totally agree. Excited to see how he could be used in the off offense there. And I know a lot of the narrative has been uh, Bill O'Brien doesn't throw to his running backs or they don't, th- that offense just doesn't use uh, backs in that way. But I think that might be more about what Dan just said for really, I, I think probably O'Brien's entire coaching career there. He's had Lamar Miller and, and not much else. So uh, I, I think that that usage and that storyline could change with uh, a, a above average pass catcher out of the backfield there. Um, I definitely want to be buying Duke Johnson right now. Well, you said it, Ryan. We'll wrap this up with a trade discussion again. You know what? What are you willing to pay for for Duke? Uh, he's not pretty probably. You could probably get him for a first for sure. But would you would you pay a first for that? No, no, no. <laughs> but I'm not paying a first for many running backs, honestly. So, so no, I don't. I don't think you have to pay a first. But I, I would certainly be willing to give a second, and and sometimes more than a second to get him. It really seems to me like that's what it's probably going to take—a second plus uh, for for most guys that have held on to Duke Johnson. Um, and like Ryan, I'm probably willing to give a second plus. Maybe it's maybe it's a, a third plus a relatively good player, um, a guy worth a worth a late second type player. Um, usually, you try to package for these kind of moves. There, you know, the recent news of the injury and, and not playing in the preseason game, maybe maybe that scares off a few, so there is a little bit of a buying window. I think that is not going to last long. We're going to see Duke Johnson with Deshaun Watson on the field and, and those receivers that they have in Houston. Duke Johnson seems to match what they're doing there and, and get speed with speed and, and really uh, uh, big play players along with a guy that can get on the perimeter and make plays. That seems like they're what they were trying to do with this Duke Johnson trade. Um, if if you're looking for a running back and and you can get him for second round prices, Duke Johnson is one of the targets you you want to you want to focus in on. Yeah, I just kind of feel like it's going to cost a little bit more than that. I don't know. Uh, there are some trades recently from the last week though. We can look at Duke Johnson straight up for Tony Pollard. That looks okay now, but if Zeke comes back. Pollard owner's probably going to wish he had Duke Johnson back, I, w- I would guess. Uh, Duke Johnson for 210 and 308 in, in the 2019 draft. That seems pretty reasonable. Certainly a price would pay, you guys said, maybe a little bit more than a second. That seems completely reasonable to me. And then Duke Johnson for Jordan Howard. I, I'm pretty sure I want Duke Johnson there too, guys. Yeah, I, like, I really like all of them. Talking about Tony Pollard, um, if he's already on a roster, that means he was probably drafted in June, July, uh, and – and maybe a late third, maybe a fourth. You know, you, you didn't give up a lot to get Tony Pollard on your team, and to get Duke Johnson on a swap. I agree with you there, Matt. The other, the other one, the Duke Johnson for the second, late second, late third in 2019. So if if you're on the clock at 210, the type of player you're expecting to get is a project. It's one of those tight ends, maybe, uh, maybe one of those receivers that are that are n- not looking like uh, producers for 2019. I I really like that trade, especially for a contender because of the upside with Johnson and and Johnson for Jordan Howard seems like a slam dunk to me, Ryan. Yeah, Howard for Duke Johnson is the easiest one, I think. Uh, the other two are closer. I would I would give the picks for Duke uh, in in most situations uh, for the same reasons you said, you're just 
Uh, you're probably drafting a couple of guys that you'll have to wait on, uh, and, and I think we know what we're going to get from Duke Johnson over the next couple of years. Uh, this is this is probably for another show, but I'm I'm buying into the Tony Pollard hype uh, with or without Zeke, so that's the closest one for me. I probably would still make the deal, but uh, would would hesitate at least. Just to throw it out there, like in the odd case that that 2.10 could be Justice Hill, then what? <laughs> if I'm on the clock, I think I make the pick. I, I would pick Hill instead of doing the deal. Uh, but I would be I would be battling to make a different deal for Duke Johnson at the same time. Well, you know who you could almost certainly get with a two ten is Tony Pollard, and then you would still have the three eight. So that's maybe uh, if you are like me and and you think Pollard might be the real deal, then that's another way to look at that at that trade. All right, so we're, let's get to the meat of this episode. We're gonna we're gonna be basing this this discussion off of a bunch of studies, really, that have come out in the last several years, where uh, we we basically know that uh, if a running back has a top twelve season, then the next season they're pretty unlikely to repeat. And in fact, about fifty percent of running back ones will not repeat the following season. Uh, one of the articles I was looking at for this was Steve Andrus over a four for four football in twenty seventeen. Uh, actually, showed that over the five previous seasons, so twenty sixteen back to to twenty eleven or so, that uh, half of the top twelve scorers only repeated once at that position. So. Uh, we're going to base our discussion around around that fact that about 50% of these guys are probably going to fall off, and we're going to do three drafts surrounding that topic. I'll explain those in just a minute, but let's cover our top 12 on a points-per-game basis from 2018. So number one, obviously, Todd Gurley at 26.6. Christian McCaffrey, number two, at 25.4. Melvin Gordon, 24.2 at number three. Saquon Barkley, fourth, at 24.1. Alvin Kamara, James Conner, Zeke Elliott, Kareem Hunt, Joe Mixon, James White, David Johnson and Leonard Fournette round out the rest of those top 12. Uh, and some of these guys were injured, of course. That's why I put it on a points per game basis. Melvin Gordon played 11 games. You know, Leonard Fournette only played eight. But we still want to count them as top 12 scorers. So the way we're going to do this, guys, is we're going to do three drafts. Our first one is going to be a safe draft. So uh, what that means is whoever gets picked 101 is, means that that's who we think is the most likely to repeat in 2019 as a top 12 running back. And then we'll go through six picks total, two for each of us, until uh, we get to number six. After that, we will do a drop draft. Uh, for this one, we're going to be picking who we think is the most likely to fall out of the top 12 in 2019. So the 101 would be the, the player that we think is most likely to fall out of that spot. And then finally, we'll wrap up with a replacement draft. So if six guys are going to fall off, six guys have to jump into the top 12. And in that case, the 101 will be who we think is most likely to join the top 12, who was not a top 12 player at the running back position in 2018. So let's start it off. Uh, Ryan, you have the first pick in the safe draft. Who is the most likely from this group to repeat? I think for me, it, it's certainly tough at the top. Uh, we, we look at virtually every redraft league and every dynasty league, and you see uh, you see the big four running backs at the top. I think those are going to be the guys we, we talk about quite a bit today, certainly in this part. So looking, focusing on that group, I think the safest, the most likely to repeat an RB1 performance is going to be Christian McCaffrey. Uh, they, Carolina brought in very little uh, behind him. Of course, they had C.J. Anderson at the beginning of last year. That uh, combo did not work well. Uh, and once Anderson moved on, they, they virtually relied on McCaffrey a ton. And there have been comments this offseason from the coaching staff about lowering his workload, lowering his his red zone usage or gold line usage. Uh, but but in the end, he's just a playmaker. I, I trust that offense. Uh, and especially since we're talking about the PPR format, uh, I'm going with McCaffrey as the safest guy. That seems that was my first pick too. I think he's by far the safest. Dan, how about you? Would he have been your pick at one? Yeah, I would have taken McCaffrey as well. I, I was, Honestly, I was really hoping Ryan would get sucked into the hype with some of these other guys, but I should know better than that at this point. Um, I would have gone with McCaffrey for all the reasons that he mentioned, and mainly that you know there, there's just so much safety with the the PPR role, the the guy that catches the passes. He also has had the goal line role at some points, and I know there's a lot of talk about that changing, but I'm not I'm not concerned about any of that. So, you know, that really 
that really made it easy for me making McCaffrey the number one. And, and with me at number two, I felt like that was a relatively easy one as well. Although Alvin Kamara appears to be the guy that should have that role um, in in New Orleans, especially now with the movement uh, from with the other running backs on the roster, it seems like Saquon Barkley to me feels obviously safe as well. Um, it's probably nitpicking with these top four. I'm going to take Barkley at two. It's really close with he and he and Kamara. Uh, there's just there's just not another talented running back uh, on that roster, and Barkley's really where that offense has to be. If I'm looking for one guy to have a huge year in 2019, it has to be Barkley because there's just a lack of talent on that offense. Yeah, I think he's going to get there just purely based on on volume alone. I did put Kamara second just because of his offensive situation, but if you're going to make a volume argument, I think I don't really think it's a question. I think Barkley's definitely going to get the volume over Kamara there, so uh, can't hate on that. As I mentioned, Kamara will be my pick at the third selection uh, uh, for all the reasons I just said. Really, you know, we know he he's a pass catcher, and that's really going to be such a nice floor to help get you into that that top end uh, of running back production. So he seems like a pretty easy pick there. And then it starts to feel a little bit sketchy. I do have one more that I'm glad I get a chance to take here, uh, and that's David Johnson. You know, he did it last year, 11th ranked on a points per game basis with 15.7 and 20. 18 with you know one of the worst offenses we've we've seen in recent memory so I have a lot of faith that even though we have a new coach a new offense a rookie quarterback a bunch of rookie and, and second year receivers plus Larry Fitzgerald uh, it just seems like if they get DJ more involved in the passing game which seems like almost like a lock to happen in that offense that he's going to be able to join those four uh, pretty easily in the top 12 so Kamara and DJ at the turn for me Dan back to you I'm a little surprised with the DJ pick uh, there, there are so many question marks surrounding that offensive line and, and everything really happening there in Arizona. I know, I know there's some good things with the passing game, the new quarterback, all the new weapons on the perimeter. But with that offensive line and the fact that that defense is so horrible and DJ will have to do a, a great amount of his uh, damage as a pass catcher, I just get a little bit leery when it comes to David Johnson. I did not have him at four. I did have uh, a, really a toss-up at four for me, and and it really surrounds the, the whole holdout situation. Um, I, I stepped away from the holdouts because I, I am get, I'm slowly getting more worried with these guys, uh, and it may be a surprise to most. I'm going to go with Todd Gurley uh, as, as the next pick. Um, I've said it too many times to really repeat again. I'm not that worried about the the Henderson draft pick. Uh, Todd Gurley is an elite athlete, and I know his knee has shown some long-term uh, ramifications or damage that, that would make dynasty owners think that things aren't going to hold up this way for a long period of time. If we're talking about the regular season of 2019, Todd Gurley is still at RB1. No doubt about it. Uh, he's going to get the carries in week one. And as long as he holds up health-wise, nobody has the talent of him. So give me Gurley right here. Yeah, I'm, I'm just a little surprised you went with Gurley, but he was he was actually the player I expected to pick with this this last pick. Uh, I did have him ranked sixth. And, and just back to the, the DJ conversation, I had DJ fourth just like Matt. And for me, I've got some of the same questions, Dan, that you – that you posed, but for me, it comes down to last year was a disaster. I mean, it was painful to watch those games. We knew, you know, we knew that coaching staff wasn't going to last. Um, the Rosen thing. I mean, there were so many storylines and they were all bad. And David Johnson was still an RB one. So with, with, through all of that, he still averaged almost 16 fantasy points per game. And, and that came on some, some major ups and downs, and there's flaws with looking at, at, at only season-long scoring as we're doing tonight. But there's also value in it. And uh, his season as a whole was still successful, and I, and I think it certainly is going to be even more successful this year. So I had DJ fourth as well. Um, you're going to let me get my fifth-ranked guy, which is Ezekiel Elliott. Um, it, it does seem like things are trending um, – to him, I don't know if he's getting a new deal or if he's just giving up this holdout and reporting, but we, 
Uh, we did hear the news that he is is back in the states. Um, every every good thing that Tony Pollard does seems to be, you know, pushing Zeke one step closer to to going back to the team. I, I'm confident that he he that he he returns to the team and and he plays. And even if he does miss one or two games, we can certainly expect him to uh, average enough to finish as a top. 12 RB and and as Matt mentioned at the beginning we are looking at points per game uh, even uh, with the goal of I think at least eight games you know I really have a the big problem I had with going with Elliot there was the word safe and because of the history we have over the last couple of years particularly the Le'Veon Bell holdout it feels like we're on the same path. The feelings I have right now are similar to the ones that I had a year ago, when, and, I, and I didn't really talk about them a whole lot. I thought Bell was coming back. And then as the, as the preseason continued to roll out and more news continued to generate, I got this weird feeling in my stomach, and that's what I feel about Ezekiel Elliott right now. So if, if we're talking about safety... I know Gurley is going to be on the field in week one. I am not convinced that Ezekiel Elliott will be there, and that's why I moved Gurley one spot ahead of Zeke. I, I guess I'm less concerned with Zeke's holdout than I am Gordon's at this point, just because we know he has come back. But at the same time, he's also said the words that I will not play again for the Cowboys without a new contract. So I think we're going to be reliant on that. I just I don't feel feel great about him returning. You know, they've got a we're working on Dak who wants forty million dollars a year. Cooper needs a bunch of money to to stay there after they just gave up a first round pick for him. So it just feels like a really unstable situation right now. And and one I'm going to try to avoid. If I'm picking on that top five in a startup or even a redraft league, I'm probably not going to take Zeke there and let's just let somebody else deal with that. Uh, unless, it, you know, it's later once we, we find out more. Uh, and then Gurley, I don't know. I still, uh, you have way more confidence than I do, Dan. Uh, I think he will be on the field week one. I think it's, even if he does rejoin this running back one lift, I think you're going to, it's going to be a roller coaster ride. Like, you know, in one game where they are up 20 points, you know, in the third quarter, are they really going to run Gurley back out there? Uh, I just don't know. I just I think the volume is going to be inconsistent week to week with him, and he's going to drive people batty, I think, Dan. Go I ahead. think Gurley's one of the safer guys for that same reason, because if they're up big in the first half, I think Gurley's a big part of that. And they're going to be using him when they need him, not when they don't need him. So even if they are up by three scores in the third quarter of a game and, and Henderson takes over or one of these other running backs gets their chance, it feels to me like like Gurley would be a big part of, of what was good about that first half. So maybe that doesn't mean he ends the season as the RB1, as a lot of us Gurley owners have become accustomed to from week to week, uh, or the RB1 overall. It still lands him in that top 12. Give me 100 and, and that touchdown, and and I'll be happy as a girly owner. Fair enough. Uh, if I was doing this for my fifth and sixth, I would have taken Mixon as my next likely, most likely to stay in there. Uh, and then I really didn't even have a six, so <laughs> uh, I would have stopped there. Uh, let's let's go on to the next uh, one, the drop draft. So this is going to be the ones that are most likely to drop out of the top 12. Uh, so the opposite of what we just did. So, again, using really these same names, uh, it's really going to be the other six guys. So we knocked off CMC, Barkley, Kamara, DJ Gurley, and Zeke. Uh, I, I think there's a chance that some of these appear on this list, too. Uh, so let's see how it goes, Ryan. We kept the same order, so you get the first pick here. Who is the most likely to fall out of the top 12? Well, you mentioned that we're we're just going to be discussing the other six players here. I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. The way uh, the way we're we're formatting this as a draft, I think one of us could feel you know could could feel confident about a player that the other does not. So I think there's a chance one of the guys we've already talked about shows up. But not at the top of the list. Um, I am taking, I think, the easy call here in Kareem Hunt. He was the RB8 a year ago, uh, and we know he he certainly didn't play every game. I think he played 11 games a year ago and averaged almost 21 fantasy points. We know the situation this year. Now with Cleveland, expected to be behind 
Uh, Nick Chubb, when he does return from suspension, it's an eight-game suspension. Uh, so best-case scenario, he's going to play eight games this year uh, at, at the back half of the season. I do not expect him to produce enough or, or even really to play enough to become an RB1 over those eight games. Yeah, I think if he's going to be a running back one, it's going to take an injury to Nick Chubb. And, you know, wishing that on anybody is the wrong thing to do. And and expecting it from somebody is, I guess, even worse. So I had Hunt at number one in this particular draft as well. And I think that makes number two really easy. James White qualified as a running back one in PPR, of course. And and while he will be valuable in PPR in 2019 and probably beyond that, just looking at that depth chart and what's going on in New England, there's so many other players that we continue to hear about. Uh, I I know Sony Michelle has had his kind of ups and downs in the dynasty industry and and with all of us that that do rankings. Um, But there's still... a there's still so much, uh, so many opportunities in that offense, and it's just not going to go to James White. Um, if if we're gonna if we're gonna try to to narrow down what we uh, what we think is going to happen in New England, it's hard to give a big percentage of that uh, out of the backfield to James White. So while he'll certainly have a role, while he'll certainly have big games and and play a big part in what they do in New England, it's just unlikely that we see James White in 2019 as a as a running back one. Yeah, those seemed like the two obvious uh, first and second pick to me as well. You know, James White had a ridiculous number of touchdowns that helped out his that I just don't see. You know, now Josh Gordon is back. Again, we had that discussion, and say what you will, but there's going to be probably a little bit less passing game targets to go around. Uh, Damian Harris, if he can get healthy, is a good receiver. Uh, you know, so I, I just it, it seems like it was a whirlwind kind of a special season for James White, and I still think he's going to be valuable. I just don't think he's going to be a running back one again. That's all. So if you can give a running back two, sure, why not? Uh, but running back one, I just don't see it. My two guys here at the turn, my first one is Leonard Fournette, just barely snuck in last year with eight games. We know the deal with him, can't stay healthy. You know, I guess the offense – we could be a little bit more optimistic this season with Nick Foles, but I don't think we're really that excited about it still. Uh, and they drafted Reichwell Armstead, who is almost like a Leonard Fournette clone, you know, obviously not as quite as athletic. Uh, but if he sneaks in and still steals a few touchdowns here and there, then I think there's a good chance that if we don't see Fournette as a running back one in 2019, if, if there was an argument to be made, I guess it could be just based on pure volume. But uh, I typically don't like those volume only restricted plays. So uh, he's the next one. He's, he's my first pick there. And then at the 201 here, I'm going to take Melvin Gordon. And it's really the same stuff with Zeke. I just I feel even less confident than I do with Zeke that he could miss a significant portion of time. And even if he does, you know, maybe Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler are, have already kind of cemented a role there. You, you have to kind of have to think that Gordon comes back and he's going to be the guy again, but you know, you know maybe not, maybe it becomes a three headed backfield and, and he doesn't quite get there. So that one feels a little bit risky just because if he does come back, you know, it's, if he comes back before week one, he's probably going to be a running back one. Let's just be, let's be honest about it. But I just, I'm just not sure that's going to happen. So uh, Fournette and Gordon there for me, Dan. Yeah, I would have taken Fournette third and Gordon fourth as well. And I think we get into a little bit murkier waters after that group. Um, I, I had a little bit of trouble of making Gordon four or James Conner four. Uh, and settled on Connor being the fifth guy, probably, I, I would imagine, just like you guys, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, it, as as much as I was excited about what James Connor did a year ago, uh, filling in for Le'Veon Bell, it it just didn't, it didn't translate to me as a long-term thing for me. Uh, and, and, and when the when the Steelers invested in the running back position in the offseason, albeit late in the draft, it, it felt like a similar pick, pick as when they chose James Conner. It felt like it, it really felt to me like they were they were adding depth, a guy that could potentially play a role and fit in. And, and Benny Snell seems like a similar type player, a guy that was a big bowling ball in college and then made the transition. So uh, while... I, 
while I like Connor and feel like if I have him on my team, I'm, I'm placing him in my lineup as that running back one, I wouldn't be shocked if he fell outside that range in 2019. So I had my my spiel at the beginning of this draft, but we are going to end up talking about all 12 running backs because my pick here is Joe Mixon. Matt, I know you mentioned him as uh, as a guy you would have included in the, the earlier draft if you had different picks. Uh, but for me, I, I think it's it's definitely fair to have some concerns about that offensive line. They've lost three offensive linemen since training camp, uh, started two to retirement, and, and a third, the, the rookie to the season-ending injury. And you just look at that offense, and, and it, it seems like it's falling apart already. Not only the offensive line, obviously A.J. Green is out as well. And if you look ahead to 2020, I don't think it would be a surprise if uh, both A.J. Green and Andy Dalton are off this team and I just I'm not sure Mixon is a guy that can be the offensive leader of a team. Yeah, it feels it, it, it kind of feels a little bit like the Barkley situation. Obviously, Barkley is a, a bit more talented than Mixon is. You know, maybe it's a little smaller gap than we necessarily think it is. Maybe a few percentage points or whatever. But the situation feels similar to me, and just based on volume and his PPR upside, ability to catch the ball. Uh, it just feels like he's 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 able to get there based on volume, kind of like Dan's. Well, I guess my argument with Gurley, not necessarily Dan's. Um, so, I, I, I but I completely understand the pick. I did have him on my list for both, actually, uh, as a safe as the end of the safe guys and like near the end of the guys that would fall out. So uh, he was kind of right on the borderline for me. I would have had if I had more picks than this one. I would have taken Connor as well. Gurley was also on this list for me, uh, so uh, he would have probably been my sixth guy. Uh, towards the end here but so those are our drop drop guys our drop draft kareem hunt james white leonard fournette melvin gordon james connor and joe mixon uh, are the ones that are, are going to fall out of top 12 you heard it here first guys uh, definitely going to happen <laughs> let's uh, uh the nfl is totally predictable like this but before all that let's talk about our sponsor reality sports online by now most of you guys have heard about reality sports online the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an nfl general manager but the question is have you tried it it's time to go see what all the buzz is about in the dynasty community free agency multi-year contracts a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Think it sounds complicated? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your mettle. Still not sure? You can test your general manager skills for free in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code DLF10 to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Uh, let's move on to our final draft of the night. This is going to be the replacement draft. So these are the guys that we think are going to jump into the top 12 for 2019 who were not there in 2018. So the 101 here, we're looking for the guy, Ryan, who is the most likely to join the top 12 in 2019. I think this draft is going to be the most fun and, and probably the one we disagree on the most. Uh, both the, the first two felt a little chalky, but that's okay. Uh, I'm, I might be taking the chalky pick here at 101. I'm going to go with Nick Chubb, who I already mentioned. We, we've already discussed the Duke Johnson trade. We've already discussed uh, the Kareem Hunt suspension. So Chubb is, is certainly just going to be a workhorse the first eight weeks of the season. Uh, we all, The Cleveland offense has been a, a huge topic this offseason, but obviously we expect big things from them this, this year with uh, Baker Mayfield in his second season, the addition of, um, uh, of Odell Beckham Jr. So everything pointing in the right direction. And, and, and once Chubb took over last season, he was an RB1. So he's already done it, um, it you know, when we look at those, those splits over last season. Yeah, I would have taken Chubb one overall as well in this draft, and I think it was pretty chalk. I guess it would have been a disappointment if you wouldn't have gone that way for sure because it, it was relatively obvious to me. I don't think the second pick is very obvious. In fact, I had a hard time choosing between a couple of options, and I guess it might be a little bit surprising. I went with Delvin Cook 
as the second most likely to jump into the top 12. I know there's been a lot of Alexander Madison hype and and talk uh, throughout training camp and the preseason, but it, it appears to me that Dalvin Cook is in line to be the bell cow running back in Minnesota, he's going to get opportunities both as a runner and as a pass catcher. And, and, you know, everything you read out of Minneapolis says that the Gary Kubiak hire uh, will be nothing but good things for for Cook and, and really the rest of those running backs or whoever's on the field. When it comes down to it, Cook is the most talented guy in that backfield. He's a guy that I really liked coming out of college. I love what he did. As a rookie in the preseason, I was buying him at that point. Uh, obviously, the first handful of weeks of 2018 went really well for Dalvin Cook owners until the injury. Then a lot of us dynasty owners were concerned about the injury history and, and that they were starting to pile up and thinking maybe that he was a injury-plagued player that we couldn't trust to stay on the field. Although I, I do have concerns about that and feel that maybe he's more likely to get hurt than some other players players that's not going to change who I'm going to take at number two here I think it's Delvin Cook and and I'm, I'm pretty happy taking him over the other options yeah those were the two two first guys on my list as well Chubb seems pretty obvious and and Cook as well Chubb I think there's you know I, I, we talked about Hunt as a guy like uh, you know pretty likely to fall out of the top 12 but you know there is a chance that he you know kind of reduces his points per Chubb's points per game average once he comes back I think there, there's a shot at that but uh he he just he just feels safe right now based on what he's going to do in the first half of the season. I mean, he could he could really after the end of those first eight games easily be the running back one. I think if that offense takes off the way that we think it might, so that's certainly within the range of his outcomes and, and possibilities there. So my two guys here at the turn, Le'Veon Bell it feels a little bit weird to say that because we haven't seen him play football in a year, but I just think he's going to get so much volume. He, there's not really an established number one receiver there. I think he's going to get a ton of volume in the passing game as well. So uh, it's all going to come down to if he can stay healthy after, after not being on uh, on the field for a year uh you know if he is actually arrested if all that stuff comes to fruition then uh, i think we're looking at a running back one season for bell for sure and then my second guy is carry on johnson with with theo riddick going away the pass catching duties uh, are no really longer a question mark i think it is carry on there he's probably going to end up as the depending on how you feel about hawkinson and what he's going to do in the passing game versus as a blocker you know he carry on should be at no worse the the third or fourth option in that pass game I think so uh, he's going to get that PPR upside that we already saw in those guys we took in the first draft as, as super safe I mean if he gets that that passing game volume too then he seems like a, a really safe pick here uh, to, to enter the top 12. Yeah we certainly differ differ on the order but but I I, I agree carry on fit in there a little bit surprised on the Le'Veon Bell although although I believe he's he's one of the likely guys to take uh, one of those top 12 spots. He's he's one, one of the six on my list. I wouldn't have put him quite that high. The guy I chose is actually a, a, a rookie, and I went with Josh Jacobs. And for really a lot of the reasons that you mentioned there, Matt, with Bell, it's going to be volume. Who else is going to get the ball? There was the the recent report from the Athletic, or, or early in training camp at least, they said, uh, uh what great hands that that Jacobs has shown uh, that was something that that people questioned or, or at least were concerned about or, or wondering about if that truly is the case and Jacobs is going to be a target in the passing games uh, his upside is through the roof I could see him landing at the bottom half of the top 12 after his rookie season yeah, Jacobs was was my pick here for this last spot so you you sniped me Dan i also agree with all five of the picks overall that we've made so far in filling these spots. And I think this last pick is probably the hardest one because I have, uh, I have like eight more names written down as, as options and possibilities to, to jump into the top 12. And it it certainly is a tough decision. Um, I think I'm going to go and follow your lead there, Dan, with the rookies. And I'm going to go with David Montgomery as, uh, as the final guy in this draft, uh, obviously really like him taking over in that Jordan Howard role. I think he's, I think he's more talented than Jordan Howard. I don't think that's any kind of uh, revelation or anything. Uh, expect him to be more involved in the passing game than Howard ever was, which, uh, which will likely hurt the, uh, the production of Tariq Cohen. We've, we've all kind of seen that coming this off season. I, I still like Cohen, but I think it, 
he got to a point where he was overvalued. Uh, and that's, that's kind of, that's kind of carried through the off season really, uh, oddly, but, uh, I'm going to go with Montgomery as the, as the final guy, but just looking at some of these names, Aaron Jones makes a lot of sense. Uh, Marlon Mack was the, was the last one. Uh, I, I kind of narrowed it down between Mack and Montgomery, uh, Damian Williams, Devonte Freeman, Tevin Coleman, Philip Lindsay. There's uh, Chris Carson. There's so many options, which that's what makes this hard. Yeah, thanks for stealing my thunder there and taking all the guys I was going to mention as the next most likely. Uh, I actually thought you said for the, we're going to say for the last pick there, Miles Sanders. Is I, I kind of feel a little bit better about him, Montgomery, mostly because uh, we, we have – the one he's competing with is Jordan Howard, who we know we can't catch the ball. So I think Sanders is going to get the bulk of that passing down work. And I do think that Montgomery is going to get a lot of passing down work, but there is, I, there's also a chance I think that Tariq Cohen, while I, I'm not interested in him at his current price – uh, you know, takes enough that it, ta- it takes Montgomery out of that, that running back one discussion. You know, may, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's going to be a running back two uh, kind of floor there, but I'm not sure if he gets to that one uh, uh, session. The one you mentioned there that I really like, Devonta Freeman and Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack, based on the offense, as long as Andrew Luck gets healthy, Devonta Freeman has been the running back one overall, uh, and it, it seems like he's hel- hel- as healthy as he's been, at least in the last couple of seasons right now. That could obviously change on a dime with that guy and all of his injury history. Um, but uh, I think he's he's a good choice there. And then one other guy that I have on the list that you didn't mention was Mark Ingram. You know, I think he has a really good chance to sneak into the back end running back ones. Uh, despite how much we love Justice Hill, I think Mark Ingram is going to be the guy in that offense, at least for this season. Dan, how about you? You got any additions that we Ryan and I did not well, mention? Well, if you thought that Ryan stepped on your toes with all of the names he mentioned, you definitely got got mine. <laughs> After Ryan got done, I thought, man, I can't believe he didn't, he didn't mention uh, Sanders or Ingram. And then, then you got both of them. I really think Sanders, although it's an outside chance, because of that offense and the other weapons there, if they were to hone in on him, and and I think a lot of us expect that to, to be the case late in the season at least, or at, at least him to get that opportunity after a few weeks into the season, uh, he could be a surprise guy in that list. I didn't necessarily have Mac there. I had Jones, Lindsey, uh, Mark Ingram is a dark horse as well. I think Montgomery was the right choice there. He's the guy I would have taken at six. I think I said before we hit record tonight, guys, that Ryan got the short end of the stick on this deal because he had to make that pick. When it came down to it, though, I think Montgomery was the choice. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. For Ryan, for Dan, I'm Matt. We'll chat with you again next week on the DLF Dynasty Podcast.